Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're back in the book of 2 Samuel today. We'll be looking at chapter uh, chapters 8 and 9 today. Um, basically, chapter 8 is outlining uh, kind of a list of David's victories. Um, he had so many victories now. Um, and um, after God's... Um, promise to him, God's covenant with David. Um, as we kind of said yesterday, when I was reading this yesterday, this covenant of David that we read about, this Davidic covenant that God made with him in, in uh, chapter 7, basically Nathan says, you know, how come I'm living in this house when God's living in this tent? And I want, you know, I want to build you a house, you know, for the Lord. But then the Lord told David, don't do that. I'm going to build a house for you. And he's talking about that I'm going to raise up from your household someone who is going to um, establish your throne forever. And it's almost like David's prayer back to him is just so much gratitude. And at the end of his prayer, he says, Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. You know, and now, O oh Lord God, you are you are God, for your words are true, and you've promised this good thing to your servant. You know, this is King of Israel. All these military victories, whatever. He says, "Who?" Basically, he's saying, "Who am I before you?" And it it kind of teaches us sometimes. You know, we're people who worry so much about other people's opinions and then we come to pray we worry so much about our own stuff and then we come to pray and we must look so silly so unworthy to our father when we pray but we're so worried because he's guiding our steps And sometimes I think that we think 
We don't get enough credit for who we are when we pray. And we pray for things to give us more credit than we think we should be getting. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And God is answering me when things aren't happening the way we want them to. And I just remembered the Lord's Prayer. And the part down there at the bottom of the prayer where it says, And uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, lead us not into temptation, but we're going to do something even more. Deliver us from evil. God's saying, I'm going to lead you not into temptation, but I'm going to do you something even more. I'm going to deliver you from evil. And sometimes when things are happening to us, we feel like we don't get the credit we deserve. He's delivering us from evil. The evil that if something did go the way we wanted it, we might not be able to handle it. Or it might present us with more temptation or more evil than we could handle. Sometimes success does that. And it makes our hearts go even harder or even colder. But having hardship keeps us honest. I'm going to lead you not into temptation, but I'm going to deliver. I'm going to do even more. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to lead you in the right direction. But when you follow me, when you're being led, that will deliver you from evil. We need to follow Christ so he can deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. In other words, it's his plan. It's his purpose. It's by his power that we're going to get the job done. Remember what scripture says? For not by might shall a man prevail. It's his power and his glory. Remember, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And David is acknowledging all this. That's the only way I can find courage to pray to you. When... You lead me when you deliver me by your power, by your glory. It's your kingdom, not my kingdom. And to be following you and delivered by you is the only way I can even find the courage to pray. That's that just a little what I got out of last um, chapter 7 means a lot to me. And then we get a list of David's victories. McGee didn't go into them that much. I won't either. Uh, verse 1, after David, after this, you know, in other words, after this monumental covenant that God makes with, with David, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. In verse 2, he defeated Moab. Verse 5, and he defeated the Syrians. And verse 6, God 
gave victory to David wherever he went. It's by God's kingdom, God's power, and God's glory. And uh, we see down in verse 11 from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek. He defeats all these people. And God gave victory to David wherever he went. That was verse 14. Verse 15. So David reigned over all Israel. And David administered justice and equity to all his people. Okay. So that is a sort of a list of all David's victories. But it was for the kingdom and the power and the glory that is God's and is by his power and for his glory that David accomplished all these things. So then we come to chapter 9. McGee calls it one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. This is David's kindness to Jonathan's son Mephibosheth. So when a king dies and a new king comes to order or something like that, the new king might want to kill all the family members, especially the sons of anybody who might want to lay claim to the throne also. That's kind of how they got the job done. But so technically any of Jonathan's sons, I mean, Jonathan was next in line to his father, Saul. And technically any of the leftovers of Saul's uh, other sons or Jonathan's sons could maybe lay a blood lineage claim to the throne. So David would be justified, you know, in the common practice of the day to kill anybody that could lay claim to the throne. But of course, David shows kindness. Uh, Chapter 9, verse 1, this is because of his love for Jonathan that he shows this kindness. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And king, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Maker, son of Amal at Lodabar. I, we don't know where Lodabar is. It's probably a little nearby town. Verse 5, Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amel and Lodabar, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. In other words, David calls him by his name. He doesn't, like, try to put him down. He calls him by his name. And he answers, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all of the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard 
for a dead dog such as I. Here we have King David bringing Mephibosheth out of hiding right before him. He calls out his name. Mephibosheth, crippled, falls at his feet, ready to be executed, I suppose. And David said, don't be afraid. I'm going to show you kindness. Because of your father, because of somebody else, my love for them, I will show kindness to you. And you'll eat at my table. In other words, I'm going to elevate you from your position of somebody who's ready to be executed into my household and be treated equal as my sons are. Verse 8, And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? In other words, Mephibosheth, he can't believe it. He goes, I'm a dead dog. I'm dead already. What what a, what is this kind of kindness? And then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. In other words, I've given everything to Mephibosheth. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. In other words, David is putting them in charge, saying, look, he's now your master, and you work for him. And you do all these things to honor him. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now, Ziba, or Ziba, if you pronounce it that way, had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. In other words, Ziba says, yes, we will do it. It will be done. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. So they mentioned that at the last, but you never hear David mentioned about it, or Mephibosheth, the narrator does. David looked past the cripple and saw him as a son. In a sense, we're all cripples before Christ. God shows us this mercy and kindness, and we eat at his table, just like Mephibosheth ate at David's table, because of another David's love for Jonathan, you know, because of that, he honors Jonathan in elevating Mephibosheth from death back to an honored life, just as Christ, just as God so honors Christ by what Christ has done for us and elevates us from death in sin to life, eternal life, as his sons and daughters to eat at his table. Beautiful story of love here.
God's love into action. And as we circle back, it's just after God's covenant with David. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Because of that, it's the only way I can find courage to pray. Because as I follow you, lead me not into temptation. As I follow you, it is you who deliver me from evil. Who are we when we pray worried that we don't get credit for something that we think we deserve? How do we have courage to pray like that? It's only by being led not into temptation, but delivered from evil for His kingdom by His power and for His glory that we see the love that God has for us. And with that heart, that's the only way that we could find courage to pray to a God who loves us so much and who has given us so much. We'll stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, hope you're doing great. This was a great study. I'm really enjoying it. So as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from um, 2 Samuel chapter 8, beginning at verse 1 all the way through to chapter 9, verses 1 through to verse 13. So in chapter 8... We see David being um, in full establishment in his kingdom. So he's establishing his his um, his kingdom because now he's a king over the whole of Israel. So verse one of chapter eight, Second Samuel reads: After this, it came to pass. So. This is after God made his covenant with David. So after this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methag armor from the hand of the Philistines. So here, David has, you know, had a great victory over the Philistines. So the Philistines, they were the perpetual enemies of Israel. And David drove them back even beyond their borders, their own borders. And this enlarged his own borders. So I'll drop down to verse 4. And verse 4 reads, David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots so this um you know this king had a border that went as far as the river euphrates that's the uh, philistine king 
and David managed to subdue them and he took and he enlarged his border. So David got rid of the horses and if if we go back, if we recall in the book of Deuteronomy, we're told that God made a rule for the kings, for his people, and one of the rules was that he was not to actually multiply horses. And the rule was also he would you know, a king was not to multiply wives. But David he followed one rule, like he wasn't multiplying horses, uh, but David multiplied wives. And we find that Solomon actually multiplied both horses and wives, so they went against God. And David here is attempting to follow the Lord in this matter. So David enlarged the borders of his kingdom, and he extended them in the south and to the east in the land of the Moabites. And he also extended the borders in the north, so the Assyrians and the Assyrians of Damascus, Syria, Moab, Ammon, and Philistines, and the Philistines, and the Amalekites. That's all these people became um, subjects to David. So dropping down to verse thirteen of Second Samuel eight, it reads. And David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. Verse 14. He also put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So this is in the south to the east, so the southeast, and to the east, and now to the north. So David was able to actually push back his borders and enlarge his kingdom. Verse 15 reads, So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. So David was noted for, actually, for his justice. And there was an expansion of the kingdom, and David brought the kingdom to its zenith and made it a world power in that day, when, you know, corresponding to the other kingdoms of that particular day. So we now come to chapter 9, and in chapter 9, we have in this chapter a story, a beautiful story. And that it reveals what a great man David was. You know, despite his botched life and the sin in his life, he had bright spots. And, you know, instead of concentrating on the sin of David, David also did amazing, wonderful things. So in this chapter, we have the story of Methibosheth, who was the son of Jonathan and a grandson of Saul. So, scripture reads, verse 1 of Second Samuel, chapter 9. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame 
in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machire. Machir. <laughs> okay. We have different pronunciations, but yeah. The son of Amel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machire, the son of Amel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant. So when Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth came before David, he actually expected to be executed. And this is like very beautiful. And David, you know, he he was very calm and very kind to him. And he just said, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. So verse 7 goes on to read, So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. So David puts him at ease. You know, he, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, you know, expected to be executed by David. And David here, like, you know, he just, it's a different direction, totally different direction. So David puts him at ease and shows him kindness. You know, first he starts by calling out his name. So he actually restores his inheritance to him and gave him a place at the king's table. Verse 8 goes on to read, Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? So the reaction here, that's what we have of Mephibosheth to you know David's kindness so if there had been another king on the throne obviously or if the roles were actually reversed and Saul was the king and David you know David's son was there it would have been a different story you know David's um son would have been executed I mean Saul was a merciless king who um persisted at trying to execute David um, verse 9 goes on to read, And the king called to Zyber, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to you your master's son, all that belongs to Saul and to all his house. Verse 10, You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Zibar had 15 sons and 20 servants. So Zibar's household, they were quite a lot, 15 sons and 20 servants. So the property and land of Saul that was for Mephibosheth now to inherit was actually turned over to Zibar, but it still belonged to Mephibosheth. Because, I mean, like... um. Zyber and his household needed to be sustained and in order for that land to be worked and tilled. Verse 11 goes on to read, Then Zyber said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded, his servant will 
has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Verse 12. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table and he was lame in both his feet. So this is a lovely gesture on David's part and it's an act of nobility which David performed. So there is some important lessons for us, some great spiritual truths as well. You know, Paul had written, you know, um, certain things in scripture are written for, um, as examples to us. So this is one of them. So here, some spiritual truths that we can pick out, you know, firstly, a child of God should recognize that he too is a cripple. So you and I, we should recognize that we always fall short of the glory of God. We are sinners. We are cripples, just like Mephibosheth. We are lame. And we do not always walk um, in the path that God intends us to walk. We always fall short of God's glory. So we are told each one has turned to his own way. So our feet lead us astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the Lord has laid on the Lord Jesus Christ the iniquity of us all. He carries our burden and our sin. So Pro, uh, the book of Proverbs says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So our feet get us into trouble. We always go astray because we always feel our ways are right. So, you know, we see here the soul and the feet are closely connected. And in scripture, if we turn to the book of God, Psalms 56 verse 13, it reads, You have delivered my soul from death. You have kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. So David actually wrote this, and he had a lame boy at his table all of his kingly life. And if we turn to Psalm 73, verse 2, it reads, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. So David knew what it was to have lame feet because he had a botched life. He made so many mistakes, he sinned, but he was faithful to God. Um verse Psalms um return to Psalms hundred and sixteen verse eight it reads For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. So you know we are cripples before God. You can't expect any good from human nature. We always fall short of the glory of God. And David you know, he extended kindness to Mephibosheth for the sake of Jonathan. That, you know, because he loved Jonathan. Even Mephibosheth loved Jonathan. So it wasn't because of Mephibosheth that he ex- extended his kindness. He didn't know uh, Mephibosheth. He knew <clears throat> Jonathan and he loved Jonathan. So when he looked upon this cripple, he saw he didn't see a cripple. He saw Jonathan. 
who he had made a covenant with. So the grace and kindness he extended was because of another. So the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us because of another. And that other is the Lord Jesus Christ. So not that we are nice people or anything. You know, that grace is extended because of another, because of, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, the only begotten and loved Son of God. So we are accepted in the Beloved when he sees us in Christ and he saves us. So if we are in Christ, he will save us because um, we are accepted in the Beloved. So David says nothing about the lame feet of Mephibosheth. And David treated him as a prince. So God forgets sins because they have been blotted out by the death of Christ. So if we are in Christ, you know, our sins are forgiven and our sins are blotted out. If we look at Hebrews 10 verse 17, it reads... Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Mephibosheth said nothing about, you know, his lame feet. And David David and Mephibosheth actually talked about another. And that other person they talked about was Jonathan. So David and Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth loved Jonathan and they talked about him. And today, as Christians, ask yourselves, what do you talk about? Do you talk about the Lord Jesus Christ? And, um, you know, are you, or are, you ta- are you just gossiping and bringing down other Christian brothers and sisters? Or are, are you talking about, like, you know, like glorifying your past sins? You know, one thing we should always remember, and this is one thing I, you know, I, I, I kind of, like, noted. Um, love bears all things. You know, we were talking about, we were wondering, like, what are we going to put on um, mom's tombstone when, you know, we are putting it up? And, you know, we started thinking, um, you know, what's the best and most appropriate um, scripture that we can um, put? And uh, Braz, we asked Braz, and he said... Um, you know, love conquers all. And um, love does conquer all. So, you know, love bears all things. Um, it believes all things. It um, hopes and endures all things. And, you know, mom preached love. She, she, she did preach love. And love never fails. So, uh, so on mom's tombstone, you know, we're going to put love never fails because love, you know, it bears all, it conquers all. And, uh, you know, scripture says these things were written for our admonition as spiritual lessons. So, you know, they may have happened in a different time. But they are written for our admonition and as a spiritual lesson for you and me today. So Christ has sent out invitations today in the world. And he is saying, come to my table of salvation just as we are. Because we are cripples. We are sinners. 
and he will feed us and he will rest us you know if we find salvation in christ uh find rest in christ he will rest us let us rest in christ uh, and if we hunger and you know he says those who hunger and thirst come to me and i will feed you and i will give you drink uh you know if we are burdened and heavy laden he will rest us so let us rest in christ and let us always remember love never fails love conquers all love bears all love gives us hope and endures all things so this is today's teaching and um it means so much to me and Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.